with with kind of with the internet and the access to all the markets you have now i mean it's it's much easier to be an individual inventor and, and go to market now than it was 15 years ago hey how's it going how we work fam this is iso your podcast host thanks for tuning in again checking out another episode so today we have a really cool episode with a man named Leland who actually came into the kitchen because he's interested in making a product and we just kind of started talking. He seemed like a really interesting guy. He's a rocket scientist, an inventor, and has some really interesting, pretty inspirational stories about his use of psychedelics. Um, it was a really good conversation and I, I hope you like it. I myself am about to head out. I'm going to Peru in about a week on February 7th. I'm going to be flying down there, going to Machu Picchu, hanging out in the jungle a bit. A um, little bit more on that when I do my next episode, but I hope you're doing good and thanks again. Cool. So Leland, thanks again for being on the podcast and taking the time. Really excited to talk today. Yes. So last thing I really wanted to ask you about is... What do you think about psychedelics? Ah, because <laughs> you're so, into that a bit too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that and it's an interest of mine as well. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, it's an interest of a lot of people's now because it's that's definitely some, and we could do a whole other podcast just on that, given the time. So it's something that's definitely coming back around. Unfortunately, you know, due to the '60s, '70s, and the drug war and all that, we lost, you know, good seventy years. 50 to 70 years of research on something that, you know, is now where every day there's new reports coming out. Johns Hopkins, all these, these um, institutions are doing studies now showing that they have much higher efficacy rates than things like antidepressants. So the majority of our understanding of neurochemistry and how the brain works in the recent discoveries, and I say recent, I mean, let's say past 50 years, a lot of that was driven by by investigating psychedelics. So, yeah, it's something I definitely have an interest in. There's kind of a resurgence now. I'm, I'm working, as we kind of discussed, on a primer on that, a book that's kind of introducing people because the problem is a lot of people, you know, for, you know, for, for my age, growing up, Gen X, it's, you know, we were just hammered with, you know, say no to drugs and kind of all this propaganda, and a lot of it was just flat-out lies. LSD will melt your brain and or it'll damage your DNA and all this stuff. And 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 none of that's none of that's true. You of course you always need to be careful doing it. You need to be make sure you don't have any predispositions that could have adverse effects. But there's just a lot of propaganda. And so going into it, I you know, it was nothing I, I didn't get into later in life, which is I think better a better way to do it than most people or maybe like today might think is the younger demographics are picking it up very quickly. But for me, it's it's more, it's a medicine. People, yeah, you can go party on it and whatnot and have a good time, but I don't really see it that way. And that's not the relationship I have with psychedelics. It's much more based on using them as a medicine and using them for the exploration of consciousness. Growing up, I, I did martial arts and I got into meditation at a very young age. And so kind of from that young age, I was kind of always looking into exploring consciousness. So psychedelics are the best tool we have. Those compounds are unlike anything else. So I'm glad to see that there's a resurgence now. I'm glad to see there's an acceptance now. I mean, it's being used for all kinds of things. PTSD for veterans, it's very effective at that. 
um, end-of-life anxiety for seniors. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff now that the research is bearing out, you know, the kind of the truth of what these medicines can do. So I'm very hopeful that that gets integrated. Yeah. How, is, um, how have they, more and more. How have they helped you? So, I mean, it's, it's a bit putting myself out there, but I, I feel like a lot of people I suffered from depression for, for a good long time. And it was something that I dealt with on a daily basis, but, and I didn't want to ever get into the antidepressants and whatnot, because I researched the chemistry of how those work and they're, yeah, I mean, it's a whole other thing, but you can go Google that. The Emperor's New Drugs is a good book to read on that. But I got into them about when I was 40, and they massively helped with understanding why I was feeling that, how it was affecting me in my life, and I mean, very, very quickly resolved these issues that I've been having for decades, but it was just kind of powering through. And it resolved those very quickly and then from went from there to you know, kind of getting a much better understanding of myself and, and, and my life and reality and all and all these things that psychedelics introduce you to and exploring consciousness kind of at a level of, of excitement in a way. That's the undiscovered country. And so you're really getting out there as an explorer, depending on how you do them, what your relationship is. And so, I mean, it's been a massive, massive benefit in my mm. life. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, no, I think it, it helped me a lot too. Like how specifically, why do you think specifically it helped with your depression? Like, was there like some piece of information that you feel like they open up for you that helped you move past it? Or was it just kind of like a general sense of your life being different when you, when you kind of came out of the experience? It was very specific in our lives. Like again, all, so we're just perception. We're beings of consciousness and perception kind of when you boil it down to it. And the understanding of how the human species perceives things is, is there's a whole science there. I'd recommend reading The Case Against Reality by Donald Hoffman on that. It's a good kind of introduction into that. And, and sometimes there's things that are they're just kind of hiding right right out of sight. And they're not, they're not in front of your face, but they're there. And they can travel with you your whole life, and you might, and you, and you might not see them. And these are causes for specific things in your life. And so for me, they very quickly and directly kind of brought me to look at those aspects of my life and the consequences of decisions I had made and which kind of led me down a path where I, I did kind of suffer from that depression for a long time. And they kind of quickly exposed that. And, and that's the thing about it is that they will take you to where you need to go. It might, you might not want to go there, but you need to go there to, to resolve whatever those issues you might have, um, you know, whatever they may be. So for me, it was very defined and clear in, in that respect. Gotcha. Like, so some decisions you'd made in your past or some way you've been kind of thinking or acting that was put, making you feel like this, was putting you in like a depressive state? Like what, what was that kind of specific thing you, you figured out? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't want to go into it too much, but yeah, I mean, I like it was, it was choices that I made. <laughs> yes, it was choices. It, but yeah, no, no yes. pressure, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was choices that I made that, that had consequences. Mm. And, and those consequences for me weighed heavily upon me. And part of it was I had a very rigid way of thinking about things. It was, it was root level programming in a what way. What do you mean by that? So... It's the kind, it's, it's how you, for like a, so for instance, like a, like a, like a computer, like an operating system, 
there's the root programming, which is kind of what everything else is based on. And that root programming might not interface with applications at a higher level, but they're all, they're all based on that. It defines the rules of, of how that computer thinks, so to speak. So for me, there was this kind of root level programming, these, these ways that were defined of how I thought. And a lot of them were very rigid and they, they, wouldn't, they, they wouldn't bend. And so everything had to kind of fit in or around them. And I wouldn't accept certain things about myself that I did or actions I took or, or whatnot, where I was very hard on myself, extremely hard on myself mm. about kind of those decisions. And part of what psychedelics do is they allow, they, get, they allow you to get access to that kind of root level programming. And they, they allow you to look at yourself in, in a way where you see clearly you don't have that judgment. I mean, in a lot of people, when discussing the, the psychedelic experience, when you get to the kind of the mystical, because it's all about dosage in terms of like, there's people who take like a recreational dose and they'll go party or whatnot, and that's fine. But it's not necessarily going to help you with your issues. Whereas a threshold dose or a mystical dose, you're, you're, in, a, you're in a different place. And it, they take you to kind of aspects of consciousness and reality where these things like judgment and, and anger and shame and all that stuff, that all, that all melts away. It's, it's not even there. And, and you can see very clearly yourself and your life and all these things without all that judgment. And people talk about it a lot, but there's, there, there's a feeling of love and even not a love, but of acceptance of, of kind of who you are and what you are and whatnot. And, and it really brings a mirror up. And if there are behaviors you have that are destructive in some way to yourself or kind of to in general and others, they'll show you that too. And that's, there's a certain amount of, I'm not going to say bravery. That doesn't, that's not the right word, but you have to be willing to face yourself in, in every aspect. If you're going to kind of go down that road of, of consciousness expansion that, that, that they can bring you to. And so, you know, in that regard, like for me, it was more of just, there, there was just kind of something there that I was missing. And once that kind of locked, clicked open, it all, everything fell into place very quickly after that. And I've since then have, have not had any of those issues. So results may vary, <laughs> but it's, it, I, I'm just very glad to see now that society is starting to accept, accept these things more. And just be, even because being a scientist, the, the, the numbers don't lie. I mean, the efficacy rates are so much more impressive than, than any of the pharmacological solutions that are out mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Well, that is a glowing review. That's so cool, man. I'm so glad <laughs> I helped you so specifically too. Cause I think that I, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think I'm really happy to see the kind of more widespread acceptance. Cause I think they help people in ways they help people with these issues that just like, frankly, there's just been no answer to, right? Like you're saying, exactly. you go to the doctor, they give you this pill and like everyone kind of knows they don't work. Like they don't really work for anybody, uh -huh. but like there's no other thing, right? So like you're in all this pain, you need help, you go to the professional, this is the only answer they have. So of course you're going to yeah. take it, but like it's just not effective. And now it feels like there's this, like this door is opened where people who have had these these intractable issues for years and years actually have a place to go. I mean, um, and I think, like you said, kind of results may vary. I think for a lot of people, it's like, I would hate for someone to feel like, 
have a psychedelic experience and they don't feel like they unlock this, this key and they never have the issues again and feel like it was a failure because I think for a lot of people, it's like yes. a little bit more of a gradual process, but like it is a gradual process in that direction, in my experience, where like each time you do realize different things about yourself, it does unlock doors that like you didn't even know were closed on some level, right? It's really like just a like an amazing new avenue for people, I think. It, it definitely is. And yeah, I mean, everyone's journey's different. And again, and this is why, I mean, I recommend... So this is something you want to do your homework on. It's almost like you're like saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, going back to the, the, the discussion on inventing, like I'm going to invent this awesome machine that does this stuff, but I'm going to do it with no background, right? Like that, that you're going to have a hard time. You need to do your homework. There, there, there's How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan is a good book to read as an intro. And yeah, and, and there's a, there are a number of books kind of around that are very good. Like you want to do your homework on it first. But yeah, it depends on how you go into it. Set and setting being the mindset you're in and the setting, the actual place you're in while you're doing a, a session are extremely important. And how you approach it is kind of in some ways determines what you're going to get out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know people who were on the antidepressants and whatnot, and it was frankly ruining their life. They had to wean themselves off them. Then it's, they, they did psychedelics instead, and it, you know, I mean, drastic improvements. Like, they couldn't even believe it was possible that they could, like, feel better. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Yeah, and I think you're right about needing to do your research. So for anybody out there, obviously, who does not have much experience with this, I would really say... If you can find a guide, right? Like you were talking about more therapeutic yeah. situations. Because, yeah, I mean, I did a ton of psychedelics when I was a kid in those kind of ways that you're talking about. Just like going to parties and like throwing snowballs at right. 3 a.m. <laughs> and, and, and just thinking, just having a crazy experience. But it's right. like, but having a psychedelic experience with a guide is a categorically different thing. <laughs> it's like, it's just not the same. It's not the same drug it's not a drug at that point right i agree that the kind of terminology it's like either either all drugs or drugs quote unquote or, or no drugs or drugs i mean if you think about it the most destructive drug in the history of mankind it, is, is alcohol mm. right but that's something that's legal you know people use all the time and people don't consider it a drug but it is very much a drug yeah no it's bad drug but so good too it's a confusing <laughs> yes. one right like all, like all yeah. drugs i mean i think that's the point right it's like everything yeah. like dose is important in, a, in in all things could you talk a bit about your life as an inventor which i'm personally really interested in sure and thanks for having me you so appreciate the invite and happy to be here so yeah for myself inventing it's something that growing up through my life despite kind of my academic background and whatnot and kind of the more cerebral aspects of that. I was always kind of hands-on working on stuff, taking stuff apart, putting it back together. Just kind of a curiosity about how things worked. And it, it wasn't until kind of later that I started to kind of really think and apply some of the stuff from my, my background, particularly in physics, to kind of the idea of inventions and inventing. Gotcha. What kind of things have you invented? Um, it's actually, well, it was born out of when we had those really bad wildfires here in California it was back in 20, I think 2018, 2019. And where I lived, there was just days where it was 
I mean, ash was coming down all everyone's cars in the street and everything. And something that, you know, I wanted was to say, you know, I need, you know, need some kind of breathing filter or something, but not, not a mask because wearing a, you know, M95 or whatnot. I mean, after COVID, everybody knows, but it's not necessarily conducive to doing certain things. And so I thought about, well, what about a nasal filter? So I looked on the market and I saw a couple of things, but they're really just gimmicks. They don't actually, they won't actually provide you any protection from particulates in the air. So I invented a, a nasal breathing filter that basically kind of sits on your ear, kind of behind your ear and has a breathing tube that goes to your nose and essentially it, it kind of stays in, in your nose with a cannula. And so you breathe through that and it has, you can put a rated filter on it, multiple different kinds of filters, and it has an air chamber for air mixing and keeping air at the right temperature and uh, moisture levels and is really meant to kind of address something that I didn't see in the market. Cool. That's a, that's a, that's a really good idea actually. Yeah. I mean, especially given what the future of California seems to inevitably be, (laughs) that feels like a, right. Like an unfortunate growth market. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Uh, Definitely unfortunate. Can you walk me through to like how you actually make the invention? So you had this idea, you saw that there were wildfires, masks are inconvenient and aren't really working as well as you want them to. Like, where do you go from there? Right. So, yeah, and it's a good question. If, If you have an idea and you think that it might work, the first thing you do is you go to, uh, so Google has, is, is, is linked into the, the patent database. They have a very good search function for patents. So the first thing you do is you go and you Google it and kind of any, any number of ways you think about what you might call this, your invention, you Google that. And, and sometimes you have to be very specific because again, the whole patent system is pretty wonky and there could be something that is named, it's not... It's not what you would call it, but it's what somebody else called that, and they filed before, and it's under that kind of name that maybe isn't necessarily descriptive. Um, but you go, you do a patent search, and you see if, if it's out there. And once you've decided that, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for this, again, there's so many tools to educate yourself out there online. I mean between everything from technical papers to YouTube. YouTube. Um, you know, and I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner myself. To invent something and to get a patent, you don't have to be an engineer or an expert on it, but you do have to know it well enough that you can explain it convincingly and and also develop in a way to to prove that that it actually works. So, you know, looking into a specific area, if you're, let's say you're inventing something that has to do with heat exchange, Right. Well, you're going to need to go and, and, and learn and read up about thermodynamics and kind of how those physical principles work. But it's something you can educate yourself on. You don't you don't need a degree in it because I know people who've had good ideas. They're like, oh, but I, I, I'm, I'm not an engineer, so I'm not going to I'm not going to try to do this. Like, no, try it. Take take the risk if it's something you're passionate about. So once you've educated yourself enough that you feel confident and you can actually work on this thing, from there, the way I do it is I go straight into prototyping because I do a lot of the theory and kind of building like in my head and kind of like a mental space. I'll work on literally like almost like a CAD program, putting things together in 3D kind of in my head first before I go to the bench, so to speak, and and start building it. 
And if it's something that's mechanical and not too highly technical, then for prototyping, yeah, the, the hardware store is your best friend at that point. You can go and just look around for things that might work for something you're doing just, just to kind of rough the ideas out. If you have kind of more of the means and a little bit more of the technical aptitude, I definitely recommend getting a 3D printer because you can really take something from an idea in your head, build it in a CAD program, and then print it out all within an hour. Yeah, 3D printing is right? pretty amazing, isn't it? I've, I've played around with that a bit. Yeah. I, used to, I used to be a member of Tech Shop. You ever heard of that place? Uh, I don't think so. It was basically so. like this kind of like DIY maker space full of like industrial mm-hmm. grade equipment. So there was like, there were um, like CAD design software, computers with CAD design software on them, but then there were also like 3D printers. You could print out the design you created. And I forget what the name of the, the machine is, but it like carves things in 3D for you. So you could really like, you could, you could really prototype a, a design or like an invention there. There was right. a metal shop and a wood shop, just a really cool, mm-hmm. like, just like an inventor space. That's actually the place where they invented the square, like the square reader. Yeah, oh, really? that's okay. where I'm, that's <laughs> yep. where he he kind of like prototyped this thing. But it really, it's it's a cool thing because I think like the the process that you're explaining, like trying to do all this stuff at home, is can kind of feel overwhelming for people, right? So be able to go to yes. this space where all this equipment is, and it was it was a really cool thing. Yeah, and I, I definitely. Re- recommend that and can you you mentioned it earlier about kind of building a community or finding a community and if if this is something someone's interested in i mean i i highly recommend looking for some kind of maker space or inventor space like that because a lot of particularly with 3d printing or kind of any of the additive manufacturing technology that's coming out i mean the technology is moving very quickly so if you can get into a community where people not just have that equipment, but the knowledge of it, and they can bring you up to speed. But because one thing I'll tell you is, is you don't just like you don't need a degree, a fancy degree to to be an inventor. You don't need to waste time treating it like a like a college degree. Like you don't have to you don't have to start from one hundred and one and go all the way up. Like learn what you need to learn, pick the best nuggets of knowledge from the different areas that you need for what you're working on. Because I mean, because everyone's busy. People got. Day jobs, they've got life to live. Don't don't waste your time trying to reinvent the mm-hmm. wheel with that stuff. Yeah. If you find a community, definitely get get involved with it. Because again, you know, you can test different machines out. Because I mean, there's, there's so there's there's two kind of things there. For, for what you're talking about, they had a machine that like cut things down to how you wanted it. So that's it was probably a CNC machine, which stands for com- Computer and American yes, Control. CNC, those are, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. TNC, yeah, and and those those are machines that you you take a block of something, wood or aluminum, whatever, and you put it in it, and it's subtractive manufacturing. It 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 cuts it down in the way you want it to shape. Yeah, it was really cool. It's quite an amazing process to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is, it is. I mean, when when you see them work, and they're really they're really, they are really quite amazing. But that of course requires you to have a block of something originally to start out with. And if it's if it's something that's all ultimately going to be made in metal, that could get very expensive. And CNC machines are are huge, and those are quite expensive. I mean, there's ranges of them, but you know, they're not something that a, a individual inventor is typically going to have. But for those communities, and you could get access to it. 3D printing, on the other hand, it's additive manufacturing. So 
it, it's there's there's a number of types, but the most basic one is basically there's a print pad and the machine moves in three axes so you can fully build 3D models and it, it just there's a filament of some kind of plastic, although now they're getting into metal and even things like wood composites that feeds into the print head and there's just there's a nozzle that that heats up and it basically just lays down a layer of plastic that's sub millimeter in height and it just lays one layer down after another and those layers melt together and that gets you you can print pretty much any solid object within bounds of complexity um and but with that literally the only limit is your imagination with with the different CAD software that's out there, and side note on that, the CAD software can can be pretty intimidating because there's a whole, you made a whole lot you can do with it. But there's different there's different kinds that have different levels of of difficulty and complexity to work with. If anyone's interested in it, something that actually I'd recommend is one called Tinkercad, and that's just Tinkercad.com. It's actually built more for educational purposes, but it has a lot of like pre-programmed shapes, squares, circles, bends, tubes, all these things, and you you can bring them in and then manipulate them from that point. And it's just a really quick way to like kind of throw prototypes together or ideas. I mean, sometimes just trying to put something together in CAD space helps you figure out the optimal way to build it. And the 3D printers are coming way down in in, in price. I, I have a I have a, a it's it's called Prusa is the the name of the company, um, like a Prusa Mark III. I think it was like seven hundred bucks. It gets shipped to you, not put together. You you put it together yourself, but you can get it shipped to you fully put together if you're not that kind of mechanically inclined. So there's ones for like even three four hundred dollars now. So that technology, the price is coming way down, and and it's moving along very fast and. That is, in my opinion, the best tool for, for kind of rapid prototyping, which allows you to get more hands-on work, in a sense, with your invention, to try to test it out and see which way you want to take things. Because it's always an evolving process. Very few inventions start with like the original idea and end up th that same way, because you learn things along the way. And, and that's fine. And sometimes you'll, it'll take a, <laughs> kind of a hard right turn, and you'll end up with something completely different than what you thought, but maybe it works better or addresses the problem in a different way. I kind of recommend always being open to your ideas changing over time because that's the process of, of invention. Yeah, I think that's good advice because you can really catch yourself up just like with any idea, any business idea or invention idea, right? You can you can kind of like see all the problems that are that are looming ahead and spend all your time trying to solve issues that in the end aren't issues at all, you know, or inevitably yeah. your idea will have changed by the time you got there anyway. Right. And so like all this right. time you've spent trying to solve this stuff, like isn't even relevant. Um, yeah. Again, it's very, very yeah. debilitating. Yeah. And I, and that's another kind of trap you got to be careful not to fall into. So people think they start thinking about like going to market before they even, you know, they've even really invented it. Like oh well, how about this? What about manufacturing? What you know? What markets? You know, what about footprint? What's what's the addressable market here? It's like that's that's all way, way beyond. Like the first thing you have to do is invent the thing and then protect yourself. So I mean, ultimately with, with patents, it all it all comes down to your protection for yourself and 
and your potential eventual business. Do you feel successful in whatever however way you define that? <laughs> that that's a good question. Um, yes and no. I mean, I think everyone has to determine that for themselves. For me, it's there's always what what I've done, and like, could I could I have done it better? Could I have done more? I take the uh, kind of concrete successes, things I've done that I can say, okay, I did that. When if I can look at it and say, I could have done things better or I could have done more or whatnot, but I'm not, I don't know, I'm not a perfectionist per se, but I kind of always expect more from myself. That's healthy to a degree. Inventors can often kind of run into that where they think it's, it's never good enough. I need to make it better or it can be better. And they kind of keep iterating and they never actually kind of get to the end result. So there is, there, there comes a practical time, particularly when like inventing where you say, okay, like this, this is, this is good enough for now move forward but in in life in general i guess yeah i mean i, I could yes like you could say i'm successful but I, I always feel that there's there's another horizon that i can get to mm, yeah it's a good way to look at it yeah you feel successful but you're not done right exactly yeah, yeah. so i'm experimenting with my with my format of this podcast mm -hmm. and I one thing I'm trying is asking these kind of like quick fire questions. I won't kind of engage you in conversation in them. They'll just be kind of like quick, kind of succinct answers and then we can move on to the next one. That sound good? Um, cool sure. man. What are you most proud of? Probably my degree in astrophysics. Yeah. Who helped you along the way? My parents, my friends, other students banding together to kind of survive the program at Berkeley. What's your favorite thing about your work? The challenge of of coming up with something new it's like to you, know, you can see something where it is and you say this is good but how can i make it better right because there's a few things that are just kind of like they come out that just that are end state and so i i always love the challenge of proving upon something making something better evolving things kind of to their best kind of possible limit and this can be a little bit of a longer one actually but can you talk about the process of actually selling an invention? Like, how do you do that? You got the thing. Yeah. You want people to have it. Because I actually played around with the reason, I mean, part of the reason I really want to talk about inventing is it something that I've tried to do a good amount in my life, like been excited about and kind of like come up with different ideas and did some research and done like some prototyping. I've never gotten all the way, but the kind of sales side of it always felt pretty daunting. Like, how do you, do you partner up with a company? Do you sell your patent to a company? Like, how do you, how do you make that happen? Yeah. And that's a good question. That, that's, that is dependent upon your invention. So if you have something that let's say takes some amount of technical manufacturing t to make, and you don't, you don't have the manufacturing logistics in your personal life, you're very, 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 do people do you typically you would find a company or try to find a company that you would license the patent to i would not recommend selling a patent outright there are some situations where that might be the best way to go but typically i'd recommend licensing the patent whereas essentially you say let's say there's a company that manufactures things that are similar to your invention and they're in the right market they have the right distribution channels they have the right target audience then you would license to them, which kind of gives them a right to create, manufacture your, your product, and then they go out and sell it along their distribution channels, and then you get a cut. So that, 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 that kind of depends on the technical requirements of manufacturing it. 
for for other things because there are smaller things that you, know, you may be able to manufacture yourself like for me like the air filter in in the beginning th those are things i could i could 3d print i can kind of make most of the parts at home or contract out some of the pieces for things like injection molding and whatnot if i might need that with with kind of with the internet and the access to all the markets you have now i mean it's it's much easier to be an individual inventor and, and go to market now than it was 15 years ago um you know we definitely have a benefit in kind of living in this day and age so if you have something that you can manufacture at least in limited kind of doing batches yourself you do platforms like you know etsy or shopify or any kind of the e-commerce platforms those are a great way to to get your invention out there but you do need to be buttoned up like you you need to have documentation you'll need to have pictures and collateral marketing collateral it'll need to look good and you'll need to make sure you can meet kind of the orders if that you put out there that you sell but you can start small and and grow and of course there's larger platforms like amazon but that's 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 later on that would be more if if, if you had a manufacturing partner but kind of the good thing is with Things like 3D printing and being able to order parts from kind of anywhere in the world now, you can start doing kind of your own manufacturing in your garage, let's say, and selling kind of out of that, selling on Etsy and drop shipping stuff and whatnot. But there's there's a lot of avenues that you can you can move forward in that way, and that is, and that's not just for any kind of technical inventing. That's that's for anything. That's for craft, kind of any kind of craft work, any kind of maker type product there's there's the farmers markets there's fairs there's craft markets there's there's all kinds of ways to get your product out there now that were really kind of either inaccessible or isolated even 10 15 years ago that have grown in popularity so again i wouldn't worry so much about getting to market first it's first it's 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 about whatever it is whether it's an invention or craft or making hot sauce <laughs> as you and i discussed before it's You've got a lot of avenues, so kind of get nail down what, what you want to make first and then make sure you have it buttoned up. And there are services out there that, that can help in terms of marketing and whatnot. And, whatnot. and again, if you find a, if you find a good community, you can, you can leverage that community for the knowledge and the know-how for the things you might not have experience in, and you can quickly come up to speed leveraging those relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good advice. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about it like, like any other business, right? Kind of getting the word out there, getting your marketing all all buttoned up. Yeah, because I think when you think about inventing something, especially something kind of technical, there's this feeling like, well, I can't make it myself. Like I gotta get someone else to make it for me, so I don't have I don't have the resources, right? But I think yeah. it really is true. Like at this moment in history, you can just like farm it all out to people. Like that was something that I was I was I forgot actually before we were talking about like um when I was doing the 3D printing stuff, I realized there's all these websites that will like contract print things for you. So you just like send them yeah. your CAD file and they send you like the, the object in three days, you know, so you don't really even have to have a 3D printer access to one, you know, at this point. It's a lot more expensive to do it that way, like over time. But, you know, like you really like all yeah. the resources are available to you now. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's that's exactly right. Thanks for bringing that up. It's that's it's true. If If you you know, have those ideas or have an idea and you create something in Yeah, there's, there's print farms, 
you can send your CAD file to and they'll, they'll print it up and send it, send it back to you. It is a bit more expensive, <clears throat> which is kind of why I always recommend just if you're going to get into it to, to, to buy your own 3d printer. But you know, again, that's if you're technically inclined, if it's not something you want to deal with and you don't mind the additional cost, then you can have one of these, you know, these, these 3d print shops print it up and send it to you. Although I, I would recommend if you haven't filed for a patent, and it's something you're worried about someone looking at that idea maybe and potentially trying to make their own version of it. If you're, if you're going to send out for parts, don't, don't send it all to one place so they have the whole design. Send, send one part of it to one print farm and maybe another part to another print farm. Maybe kind of the most the secret sauce, so to speak, part of it maybe kind of you do yourself if, if possible. But I mean, I would, I would always recommend thinking defensively about your IP. So because the intellectual property, I mean, it is a bummer, frankly, in a lot of ways that you have to think about it defensively like that. In an ideal world, you wouldn't have to kind of worry about people stealing your ideas, but, but it does happen. So I definitely recommend thinking defensively about it. And that, and that goes everything from, you know, um, farming out, getting different Components printed in different in different places to even talking about it. I mean, if <laughs> if you go out there and get on some of the the inventor forums, you know, which is they can be pretty all over the place. But you know, there's plenty of horror stories out there about people at a party or something, and they're talking about this invention, this idea of theirs because they're excited about it. You know, and lo and behold, they end up you know there's someone sitting there, you know, in that group listening who works for a company that you know makes something like that and. And then all of a sudden that company comes out with something very similar, which has never had before. It's, it's always, I always recommend taking one step back and thinking about, okay, how, how could this backfire if I take this course of action? Mm-hmm. And, and then kind of come, yeah, coming up with a plan, a strategy from that point. Yeah, that's good advice. Here, let me ask you this question, and you are totally welcome to say you don't want to answer it. Okay, but this is a question I've been asking everybody because I think people are really interested yeah. in it and it's something that no one ever talks about. How much money did you make last year? For me, it hasn't been so much of that. It's been more it's equity. So it's, it's a different mm. kind of because of, of the startup stuff. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think that people, people in your position who are doing all kinds of different stuff and people are starting their own businesses and stuff, like no one has any sense of how much money you make in something like that. And I think that people who are kind of trying to embark in something new and different. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of equity for you and in, in the startups right. you work with. Yeah. And that's usually how it's one early stage startups. That's, that's usually how it is. Cause they're, well, yeah, I mean, and, and there's a lot of nuances of that. And we can go into that if, you know, kind of there's an interest to discuss the startup space. Yeah. We don't um, have too much more time. So yeah, we probably shouldn't yeah. embark too, too heavily on that. But yeah, generally how it works in the early stages is, is you, you know, you might you might put some money into it yourself, but really it's all equity in the beginning. Like there is there's no salary, um, and if there is, it's you know kind of you know it's something you know low because the the business needs to use money to operate. So that's that's the other thing. Going in early stage startup is something you definitely have to calculate because because you might not have any income coming in, but you're gaining you're gaining equity now, which could end up being worth a lot later. Mm-hmm. Investment in your future. Cool, yeah. man. Well. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. It was fun talking about inventing and talking about psychedelics. So it's really cool to hear about how positive your experience has been with psychedelics. It's like, I'm really, I feel happy for you. It feels like you really, like something really unlocked for you. And that's, that must feel really just very satisfying. 
It, it is. And thank you. I appreciate that. It is. It's kind of one of the reasons why I'm working on this primer again, very much a work in progress. But and one of the reasons, because part of it's just a battle, like the misinformation, because the people I know in my life, when I've told them about this, they're like, wait, what? And they ask all these questions and it just shows like there's people just don't know enough about it. And, and not, not from like a clinical or academic standpoint, from just like a real life in your daily life understanding of, of kind of these things, even, even just how they affect your neurology, people just don't know. And so that's kind of, for me, it's one of the things like you, we need to get that information out there more because there's so, there's so many people it can help and it's a better solution than what we have now. Well said, well said. Cool. Well, thanks again, Leland. I really appreciate your time and um, yeah. We'll talk soon. You bet. Thanks, cool. you so. Happy to be on. Thanks, man.